0: Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker, and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers, and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I'm joined by co-founder and creative director of Neom Organics, Nicola Elliott. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Oh, thank you very much. So Nicola, the last time you were on the podcast was October, 2022. And it was a brilliant conversation where we talked about working smarter, figuring out what to prioritise and the realities of entrepreneurship. And I am really glad that you're back joining us again today to talk about your brand new book, The Four Ways to Wellbeing.
1: Yeah, I know. I can't believe you've asked me back a second time. That's good. That's good, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that seems like it was only six months ago. Of course, time flies so fast. But yet yeah, the book is now out, has just launched and I'm just about to start today, actually, the book tour. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's lovely how well everyone's receiving it because um, I think for so long we've spoken about well-being as a brand and we've managed to grow this huge platform and, you know, the likes of amazing people like you who've been able to give me advice over the 20-year career I've had, it felt like kind of the responsible thing I suppose to do to put all of that advice in one place because as I always say, well-being is a toolkit and I can help you a little, a little bit, as mm. can you, as can the next person. But the fact is you need myriad of voices giving advice across all levels of well-being to really sort of feel your best. So it is just that is a kind of melting pot of all the best advice from the best people. So I hope
0: you like it. Yeah, it really is. There's so much in there. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. There's so much packed into it. And actually I think that's really was, I suppose you kind of answered it a little bit, but that was kind of my first question. Was to think on in that conversation we talked about, you know, the prioritization, and obviously there's always so many things as a, as a business founder, and I'm sure you've had requests to do lots of different things. So when it comes to decision making, that was going to be my first question. Really was. What was it that made you
1: decide now was the right time to, to share this book? So I think there's a few things. If I'm really honest, I think I did feel a sense of responsibility. I think if you're talking and you're in the well-being sector as, as you are as well, you recognise that you have got a part to play and you can help people in a way, but you also recognise that they're coming to you for help with, you know, in my case, poor sleep, stress, energy mood or whatever that you have a responsibility to say you know can my bath oil or recipe or whatever help you yes of course it can but actually do you know what you also might want to try this piece of advice or read this book or listen to this person because um because it's just not a a, a one size fits all and it's not about one element. You know, it's about doing lots of different things across lots of different elements of of your life. So I felt we'd grown this huge platform. You know, the number one wellbeing brand now in the UK, and and we had all these people coming to us, and and our, you know, all our social is very much a place where people will trade sort of hints and tips and ideas about wellbeing in general. And in the stores, we'd kind of got to a point where we were saying to everyone who worked there, if people come in and you manage to prescribe them kind of a well-being routine or a, a three-step sleep program or whatever, make sure you also give them this advice on this great new book that's come out or tell them about this new supplement. So it became this kind of this this place where where we wanted to sign post people to various other places and spaces where they could learn about wellbeing and so yeah i did sort of feel the responsibility of of that and also i think i've been really lucky to because of that platform speak to the best people and so as an ex journalist it felt like this is this is something that people are interested in and combining all this knowledge together so I think, and also I had a little bit more time now, Adrian. The reality is, you know, Neon was nearly 20 years old and I've got a fantastic team around me. And two, three, four years ago, when I always sort of thought it would be lovely to write a well-being book, I just didn't have the time. I didn't have the time to go to the toilet, let alone write a book. So I think, you know, (laughs) when you get people in the business that are better than you and they're able to do the day job, you know, really help out and 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 take over from so many different elements, then it did leave me with a bit more time to sort of, I suppose. Well as I said there's so much in there. And one thing that stood out right at the start
0: of the book, and obviously I, you know, I know of you, I know you, I know your energy and your approach. But I really loved right at the start of the book in the introduction, you actually say well being isn't about being super virtuous and not having fun. And I really love this because I do think that the well-being industry and the message, it can become so serious and so structured and so heavy. And sometimes me and my husband will just say, it's boring. Like, it's actually boring. So why, I suppose, yeah, why, I guess, did you include that? Can you talk a bit more about why fun is
1: so important when we have this conversation about well-being? Definitely. Well, I just don't think you're going to do for a sustained period of time, anything, if you don't like it, I mean, I suppose there's always the odd person who's prepared to, you know, um, sacrifice everything uh, or, or is, is super kind of motivated to get up and actually, I was gonna say, do a run at five in the morning, but that's you. <laughs> that's definitely not, that's definitely, that's definitely not me. But I think for a lot of us, um, you know, it, it's got to be about, and that's your, that's your, your version of fun, so I'm, I'm I'm joking. But, it has to be something that you you've got to you want to enjoy i mean why do we like wearing sportswear cuz it looks nice and it feels nice you know why do we like going to a a lovely gym with a with a lovely cafe at the end why do we like having a smoothie that tastes nice rather than one that i mean it's just human nature right if you make this more pleasant for yourself whatever that looks like for you then you're more likely mm. to stick to it and i think part of that is is how nice that is for you i think part of that is how well and easily it fits into your lifestyle um so i think only sort of perpetuating this version of well-being that's so virtuous and for some people so hard to follow ends up being you know counterproductive for a lot yeah. of us not all of us but a lot of us and i sort of felt well-being was being very served by people in that very small bucket and actually you know that's lovely i love to i love to look at those people sometimes and think oh maybe one day i'll be somebody who gets up at 5am and you know does yoga but look i'm mm. not going to i really really love drinking white wine on a weekend and i like nothing more than a yeah. lion and, you know, I'm not a yeah. marathon runner and that is fine. And so I think it's just, it's not saying one thing's right, one thing's wrong, one thing's good, one thing's better. It's just different versions of it. And we're, we haven't got enough examples of people who are looking after themselves and can impart tips and advice that is just maybe a bit more for people mm-hmm. i.e., me in the middle yeah. for whatever better. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the,
0: the words virtuous and fun, I think the reason it stood out to me is even though you're joking and, and saying, yeah, you know, I might get up early and I might go for a run and yeah, I might find that enjoyable. However, I think what I'm what I'm also thinking about is it doesn't have to define your entire identity and this virtuous piece of right okay if you're doing this then you're only doing this and if you're eating or this or sleeping like this or wearing this or it's that piece for me and so for example yes me and my husband we joke about the fact that we love we call it run wine and dine because we love we go on holiday or we'll travel somewhere and we'll run a half marathon we'll run a half marathon but the night before you know we have a glass of wine he's buying shots for people at the bar so I think it's that idea that actually well you're just you're just nutters aren't (laughs) you
1: I mean that's you're in your own Box but that's beyond. fun for us. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, it's I, not like, I, I oh, well, like, you're the
0: person doing yes, the run in the morning. Yes. So you won't be having a glass of wine. When naturally, yeah, I think it's that idea that whatever you enjoy and have fun, it doesn't have to be yeah, this virtuous. It takes your entire identity. Oh, you're a well-being person now. So you've just got to, I don't know, give up everything fun. And um,
1: yeah, like you say, kind of stick to these rules it's just always helpful to have different versions of what something looks like for people isn't yeah. it you know that's just that's just the truth what you know different versions of how people should look different versions of what you know a career might look like a lifestyle might look like it's just all sort of helpful in the mix and i think at NEOM, we absolutely will serve those kind of well-being warriors but we also serve a lot of People we sell as, we sell as many products to women who are 25 as those who are 65, mm. um, which is really fascinating. You don't, there's not many brands like that that sort of really encapsulate sort of from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yep. But a lot of them are what I kind of see as on that first or those early stages of their well being journey. They're not, you know, they're not absolute well being warriors, but they're sort of just starting to realise that you know. If they look after themselves a bit better, then they feel a bit better. It's not about sort of living another 10 years. But it's about sort of squeezing the max out of life. Mm. And so that's kind of a big amount of people who come to our brand and are sort of starting starting out on that journey. And so I, I, it's very much, I think, for, for that group of people who I think are a little bit more underserved at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got lots to talk about because obviously the four,
0: the four areas that you dive into in the book, we've got sleep, we've got stress, we've got energy and we've got mood. Now, I'm conscious of time. So what I've done is I've kind of just picked one question from each category to, to talk about with you today. So I think the first one, let's talk about sleep. You know, you know, with the work that I do, that I deliver yeah. uh, you know, wellbeing workshops and talks often in the corporate environment. And I do one, I've done one recently, which is all about wellbeing for the modern world. And at the end of that talk, I would say at least 50% of the questions when I open up for Q and A, at least 50% of those questions are about sleep. Sleep is something that so many people struggle with. It seems to be getting worse, I think. I think more and more people are telling me I can't fall asleep or I wake up in the night or I just don't have enough time in bed. I don't have enough sleep. Um, I think a lot of people really struggle with this. So there's so much really, really great information and advice and as you say, you've jam packed so much into the book Mm -hmm. and the sleep chat. It's brilliant, there's so much in there. But if someone came to you and said, okay, I have poor sleep. I've tried a lot of these things, you know, I've tried and tested this, I've tried and tested that, nothing really seems to be working for me. What would you suggest Mm -hmm. that that person is potentially Mm -hmm. missing? What's the overlooked thing that you
1: think could help? I think most people don't realise that that sleep is only gonna work if you respect your circadian rhythm, i.e. your body clock. They all think it comes down to one thing. It's like everything. Everyone always wants to tell me one thing or five things or a list or a silver bullet, a shortcut. It's not gonna work like that. It'd be lovely if it did. You have to sort of come a step above it and realize that sleep works and your body's gonna tell you to go to sleep when it knows it's nighttime. It knows it's nighttime when you have respected your body clock during the day. That starts with respecting it in the morning, i.e. telling it it's morning. And you think, well, well how have we got out of kilter with that? Well, we've got out of kilter with that because of modern life, because we don't go outside. The vast majority of us are spending the the vast majority of our day inside, as opposed to, you know, even just 20, 30 years ago. I think it was... It was vastly different. So we're we're spending time inside in the morning, not getting out and seeing natural light, and then we're on our phones at the end of the day. So we are messing, and that's just two, but in many different ways, with our body clock. So if we can set it right in the morning, get outside, see the light for about half an hour, when we wake up, within an hour of waking up, and then we, and I'm not gonna go into the whole day, but if we then, as the day goes on, respect all the parts of that circadian rhythm, ending with the end of the day not getting ourselves all revved up and showing ourselves false light but 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 creating a much kind of more mellow environment with the sleep routine then ultimately you're going to be teaching your body when is morning and when is evening. So I think it's understanding what that circadian rhythm means, the importance of it, and then the rules underneath it. People just wanna to go to straight to one of the rules. Well, there's, there's about yeah. a dozen. Yeah, no,
0: I agree. It's absolutely brilliant advice. And I completely agree that if you're focusing just on, okay, what you do before you get into bed, what do you do in bed? Like you said, those things are important, of course, you know, having the right sleep environment, the right temperature, you know, mm-hmm. not having caffeine late, you know, you discuss all this in the book, but I completely agree that people, if they consider, okay, when you wake up in the morning, that, that that first hour, you know, obviously with the power hour, but also going outside daylight in your eyes, all those things that you discussed, I think it's exactly. its just, it's longer, isn't it? Than, than just Absolutely. the, okay, it's 9 p.m. Now I need to think about how am I gonna switch off my brain
1: and, and sleep? Totally, yes. it's a bit like it's a bit like me saying, "How am I going to get a body like yours, Adrienne?" Well, if I do twenty squats a day, well, you know, twenty squats I'm sure is something you might do, but you're also going to do ten other things. So it's like thinking, "Well, respect the movement and the body and all the different elements of it, and then within that, you might have running and squatting and la la la." People always want to just go to well, you know, just the ten squats. So circadian rhythm, you have material. Um, opportunity to change your ability to sleep. People are not born either a good or a bad sleeper. You have that power. It's just learning about it. We do a great thing called the eleven golden rules to sleep. It's actually in the book, um, and they've just changed my life. No, did totally.
0: did you ever have trouble sleeping? Have you been a good sleeper yourself? Have you had different periods of time where
1: you've not where you've struggled to sleep? Yeah, I I'm forty five now, and I I was always quite a good sleeper. I was kind of one of those people that even on an hour and a half flight would uh, sleep. Definitely gets harder as you get older. I think maybe, you know, when you've had children yeah. and and you were up during the night with them and stresses of life and everything, it's definitely not as easy as it was then. Or sort of pretty hit a stage where it wasn't that great. Um, And then deep dived into, we did some great work with Nick Witten a couple of years ago, and I really threw myself into those, those golden rules of sleep and understanding it. And now it works for me. But if I don't do them, I am at the mercy, like everyone else, of, you know, sleeping four or five hours. And then I absolutely feel like you know, dirt the next day. I, honestly I really, really can't recover. That's the thing I, I, I realise if I don't sleep now. The anxiety that I get mm. the next day, the mood, the the lack of energy beforehand if i didn't have a good night's sleep the implication wouldn't have been as, as bad now it's like dire oh, well it's, it's, i think it's important for sometimes for people to hear that that
0: there can be phases and stages of sleep especially if you're in a stage where your sleep isn't great because sometimes people just surrender to that well i'm i'm just not a good sleeper so i think it's also nice for people to hear that actually totally. when you implement some of these things it can improve and and you can kind of turn it around um so we talked about some of the modern challenges Absolutely. there modern world stresses like you said scheduling blue light on our phones stress of course is the next big word and again after sleep that's typically the thing that people are oh well focus and concentration comes up a lot but stress I know is definitely in the top three so it's a big issue for a lot of people Mm. do you think that I guess before we dive into some of the tactics do you think that stress is being taken a little bit more seriously now being appreciated more kind of the effects of stress because I think I don't know, even if I think back to like 10, 15 years ago, the kind of conversation, even the the cliche um, thing that we have in the UK, keep calm and carry on. You know, there's a lot of talk about resilience and actually, you know, Mm. you know, resilience, Mm. we've got to be resilient. Resilience is good. We're encouraged to be resilient. And I think there's that fine line isn't there between how do how does stress management and resiliency coexist um so do you think firstly do you think that narrative is shifting and people actually are starting to understand how impactful stress is on our health or do you think we're still trying to soldier
1: on Uh, uh, i think it's hugely changed um you know when i started neon 20 years ago started because i i started having panic attacks there wasn't a there wasn't a, a name. It wasn't called a panic attack. It was like you've had a bit of an episode, and there was no anxiety. It was something that you, you felt you felt anxious before you went on. I don't know stage before you did a play. It wasn't. It just wasn't spoken about in that way. So I know that it's changed massively, and that's a great thing. It's a really really good thing, but we still have to balance with resilience in answer to the second part of your question, because because we still need to have a life. You know, we still are having children and having careers and we still want to get the most out of life. So I suppose, and, and, and the balance is is exactly that. It's a balance. It one day goes one way and the next day goes the next day way. So it's um it, it's something that we just have to try and kind of constantly work on and evolve. And I suppose sharing hints and tips and tricks, etc. with each other much like the book, much like your podcast, is something that helps it because also what works for me and what works for you is going to be different. So it's a case of trial and error. Um but yeah, I think um I think it is great mm-hmm. that people are talking about it more. And I certainly had no idea how to look after my uh, myself in the way you know that i do now 20 years mm-hmm. ago and partly that's because i'm 20 years yeah. older but i think a lot of that is because now we speak about all of these different ways of helping ourselves yeah and what
0: would you say i guess the as as we've kind of discussed, there's lots of different options and everybody's different and everyone's situation would be different. But how do you think someone could start to, I suppose, understand the impact that stress is potentially having on their life and on their health? If they're thinking, oh yeah, you know, I'm, this is, that's just life. It's just part of the job. It's just part of life. And as you say, as you get older, different commitments, kids, you know, you talk about in the book, over commitment. How can people, I guess, start to see what are the flags in their life that would say, hang on a minute, this isn't sustainable. There's, the stress is, is actually impacting your health.
1: Well, I think to start with, we're only we're new to defining stress in in a myriad of different ways. Whilst I say we've moved from where you know we were twenty years ago, in my experience we have, but I still think we see stress as something that is a much more mental problem, whereas now we're starting to see that actually that can show up in a more physical kind of capacity my boyfriend for example will never be you know stressed in the way that you and i probably would define it uh in a sort of uh, you know overwhelm sort of state of mind but if he gets stressed if he knocks his elbow or his knee it flares up it's a physical thing mm. so i think you know inflammation yeah. um and all the other different ways that stress shows up is only just being some, it's starting to be something that we speak about. So I think that's the first thing. Don't assume that if there's something else that's going on, that might not also be linked to stress. That's the first thing. The other thing is I would always um, encourage people to think of protecting themselves before it gets to a problematic stage. You know, again, my story was that I started with awful panic attacks. And I think, you know, looking back, There were definitely things that with hindsight i could have done to protect myself in advance of that sort of biting me on the ass and i think that is something for us to talk about and you know impart that knowledge on our children very much as well so those small kind of ways in which we can build stress relief into our day which again shouldn't be an extra thing to do it should just be part of life and it should be something that you actually enjoy it's a nice thing to do um are are hugely important as opposed to at the point of when it becomes unbearable then trying to row back from yeah because we all um so there's a lot in the book about yeah there's a lot in the book about how you can um you can engineer these micro moments of sort of down, reversing stress and making sure you build that relaxation and then actually linking to sleep because of all, all the pillars also link. If you can't teach your body during the day to relax in small moments, then the fact is you're not going to be able to teach it to relax when it needs to relax, whether that's sleeping at the end of the day or whether that's when you become very stressed. So learning how to do that in those smaller sort of more palatable times, I would say, um is is really important
0: yeah I completely agree especially as January for me you know we just discussed before we started recording I was like I've been unwell you know I'm trying to recover from illness which is physical illness you know if you get an infection or you get a virus that's this mm-hmm. is what it is but I think we're all guilty sometimes of actually you know trying to continue and trying to do all the things and actually when you you know if you've got kids that like, you know got kids have got commitments I've got work and I think two things in in that were in my mind when you were talking then around stress management and around that overwhelmed feeling is firstly communicating honestly with people and saying you know whether it is stress whether it's physical illness it's treating them in the same way because as soon as I said to somebody if I said to you oh I can't um you know do this podcast today because I've been unwell and I've had a chest infection you might say okay that's totally reasonable but I think sometimes people don't think they can be completely honest when they say actually I'm you know if my if their mental health is struggling if they're feeling anxious if they're Mm. feeling overwhelmed if they're feeling burnt out and stressed it's almost like oh that's not a good enough reason and I think actually more people probably need to be honest and say I've had a lot you know of whatever stress in my life and it's really debilitating me I need some time to rest I need some time to recover and I think most people would probably be like yeah okay with that and go wow you know take the time that you need and not and not feeling guilty or not feeling shamed or not feeling like I don't know that we're lazy or that we're um you know making an excuse I think hopefully that that narrative is is um yeah people are understanding stress is real I mean I, I
1: I I totally agree but I also think if you're not if you're not comfortable and it would be lovely if you were but if you're not at the stage where you're comfortable saying that or giving that kind of information at least get to the stage where you protect yourself you know even if you said i'm i'm just not feeling great today you don't have to give someone that much data if you're uncomfortable with it which is fine i'm not saying you shouldn't and i'm not saying we shouldn't try and and take the shame away from that we absolutely should but even more important than that is actually you protecting Mm. yourself so i think don't feel it's either go ahead or it's you know Explain yourself in a way you're uncomfortable with to somebody else there's a midway yeah. point there where you've absolutely got the right to say you're not feeling yeah. up to it you're not feeling well enough you're just you know you're really struggling yeah. at the moment so so I think that's a that's a that's yeah, a point absolutely well.
0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com
1: slash switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: So the next thing, which kind of links to all of it, I mean, as you say, they're all interlinked, is energy. Now, I'm someone who talks a lot about energy as well. And I think aside from sleep, because we've, we've discussed that which is so important for improving our overall energy, there are, of course, other things to consider in this kind of energy equation. So there's different kinds of energy, Mm. there's different things that we need to restore, whether it's our physical energy, our, our mental energy, our emotional, and I think you also added spiritual energy as well, which I love. So yeah, could you talk through that for us? And maybe if people are thinking, okay, yeah, actually this time of the year, I'm feeling a little bit low energy, feeling a little bit low mood. I think typically they just think about Maybe nutrition or the physical body, which is like, okay, I'm feeling low energy. I need to do something, you know, that's physical. But where do those other things come in—the the emotional and the spiritual as well?
1: Sure. Well, I think it is interesting that typically we've always thought if you're low in energy or you, you, it's about laying down and recuperating, and 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 it might be that. But a lot of people actually, you know, garner their energy from filling their cup with other activities. That might be something creative. It might be going out with friends. It might be a hobby. But I think thinking a little bit outside of that box and not just assuming that, again, it's a one-size-fits-all, it's about what what fills you up. And, and, look, people are a bit scared by this. I, I know, again, coming back to what you said before, they really yeah. want the five things. They want to know, look, hmm. eat eggs, lay down for an hour and a half, put your legs on a wall and, you know... Wear a blue jumper. It's just not. Unfortunately, it's just not as prescriptive yeah. as that. But I think it is. It is helpful to say it's not always about doing nothing. You know, doing something can quite often bring you that energy. So the first thing would be sort of to debunk that myth and make sure that you understand that what works for you is very different. And, and I suppose this is a sort of theme of this whole book in a way is. Make sure that you do you, and spend a bit of time trying that, try, trying all those things out. I mean, I get energy by, you know, I ride my horse. It, it's a sort of a good, um, it's a good mix for me of doing something that's quite mindful without actually sitting and doing, you know, a mindfulness yeah. practice. It forces my attention onto something that is completely outside of of the realm of my working day to day practical life. Um, it's outside in nature. So those three things, those sort of three angles are really, they really work for me. So the next person that might be, it might be going painting with a group of people who know nothing about your yeah. home life, but are a different group of people. And it fills that creative cup. So I think it's about quite often, energy is about getting outside of your daily routine. And yeah. yes, if it can incorporate a couple of other elements, like something outside or something in nature or something away from sort of the day to day, then that's that's a great one F- food you've mentioned you know is an obvious one but it, but it is an obvious one and and it does it does need thinking about this is not you're not going to energize yourself by just doing a, going on a month long pizza binge it might work for a night or two but clearly you know, you need to be thinking about what you're putting into your body. And I've obviously all the other elements that the, the movement, et cetera. Yeah. No,
0: it's nice when you said that about, um, you, you know, what gives you energy and what fills you up and for everyone it's different. And it's not always, you're so right at the start, you know, that i suppose debunking that myth which is says if you're low energy and you're low mood it must mean that you're tired and exhausted and you need to rest because i'm exactly the opposite in some ways it's like actually i know if i wake up feeling low mood especially at certain points in my cycle week 4 in my cycle if i wake up feeling low mood i know that a movement's going to help me but b music for me music shifts my state if i want to feel more energized i we've got sonos mm-hmm. in every room you know i like to have the music loud and i'll have like gospel music or I might have just something that really really just feels like color you know it like lifts me up um and I feel yeah. like the kids sometimes now yeah. we have to obviously you know take turns on the Spotify and, and the kids playlist comes on and my son's into WWE so sometimes I'll be listening to my like uplifting music and then the next track that comes on is like Prodigy or something but they <laughs> but it works even for them you know everyone they love it it really does like lift the the the, yeah. the state of the yeah. energy of the whole house yeah. so yeah I think yeah right I think thinking yeah. about it like which things can lift my energy and which things can shift my state into a different feeling as opposed to just, I'm feeling low energy, therefore yeah. I must rest. And I hope
1: that people sort of get from this that they go, oh, that's an interesting idea. They'll try it and it may work for them and it may not work for them and that's fine. It's not like Adrienne was right or Adrian was wrong. No, Adrienne was right for her. You've yeah. got to find out what's right for you and I think that's a big thing is taking the onus back and figuring out what does this well-being toolkit look like? You know, loosely under the pillars of which we've described but that works for you. You know, I, I can tell you what supplements are. I take but they're probably not going to be right for you I can tell you which exercise I like but it's probably not going to you know move the dial for you in the same way as it does for me so I think just go and take a year of testing everything out and just ditch things the minute you say they don't work or I don't like them get rid of them Just get rid of them till you get to the end of 2024 and you've got a kit that you go, I absolutely love this. It doesn't only make me feel better and help me, but actually it's carved out this area of my life that I've got total permission for that actually, you know, works for me. And, and and by the way, that will evolve. Mm. So twenty twenty-five, you know, again. you may be ditching another twenty percent of it, bring another exactly. And I think if if you can get nothing more than that into your head, then like you're on a
0: you're on a really great path. You see, I love this about you, Nicola. That's probably why you've been such a successful entrepreneur. This idea of test and learn, try it out. Like you said, try this, try that, figure it out, you know, try new things. It's just not the end of the world if oh you've picked this now, you've got to stick to that forever. You don't have to pick and stick, just try it out. And so last but not least, Mood. and again all of these things I'm sure you know contribute but again I underlined something in the book which I loved it was a, it was kind of a a quote in there that said it's a bad day not a bad life. And I kind of, even when I read it, I kind of had your voice in my mind because I thought actually how brilliant, you know, we talk, I talk a lot about mindset and about attitude and, Mm -hmm. you know, but our mindset and our attitude and our decisions and our choices, having that kind of feeling of agency, which says I get to decide, I get to choose, I get to have, you know, I can influence and impact Mm -hmm. is so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we can all fall into that trap, can't we? Of like, a bad day, Means your life is a disaster. So, can you talk to us about that? Why was that there? If uh, you know, it's
1: a bad day, not a bad life. Totally. Well, you know, um, I just, I've only just started journaling really the last year. And I think what was really interesting was I was going through a kind of really funny year last year, loads of highs and loads at the same time. And I would write my journal and go, you know, it, it's, it's one of those ones that's got a, 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 um, a grade at the top, you having a good day or not. And I looked over like one, two week period. And I'm like one day I was putting a two, and the next day I'm putting a 10, and the next day I'm putting a three, and the next day I'm putting a nine. And I thought, you know, it, the great thing with journaling is many benefits of journaling. But probably the best thing for me is that actually it's a reminder when you look back that the good days, Will the bad days will go, um, because life moves on. But also to be grateful when you've got the good days, because sure as little eggs, they're going to go as well. So I think you know, I mean, it helps when you're obviously a bit longer in the tooth and you've been through more things. Definitely to be able to sort of stand behind that that comment because that's life, isn't it? There's highs and there's lows. Whoever you are and whatever your your challenges are, for sure. But I think if you get that in your head from a macro point of view, it is like a it's really really helpful. But I think we speak an awful lot in the book where Mood's concerned about positive psychology. And I'm a massive fan of, I don't know if you know Vanessa King. She runs Action for Happiness. is a brilliant, brilliant charity. I've read all her books. I'm like totally fangirl her. But they've done, her and her team have done so much work on positive psychology. And it really is fascinating how we now know, and this, this is new, new knowledge really, how we can redevelop neural pathways in our brain. So if you think you are, and I can have a propensity to, you know, have a bad week or a bad month, you know, I can absolutely flip one way or another. Um, But if you really do understand that it is within your grasp to recreate new neural pathways and essentially choose that you're going to pick those better days or that better way of looking at those days as opposed to the negative days. And that feels like a power that you have that for me, I think understanding that that is within our grasp has been such a game changer. Mm-hmm. So we, we talk a little bit about positive psychology in the book, and, and enough to give you a, t- a taster for sure. Yeah. But there's so much, you know, information out there about that, and, and I think understanding what that is and how it works has been has been huge in my life. Um, and also, yeah, that that you're not meant to be happy all the time. That was yeah. a bit of a a game changer for me as well. I don't like that very much because I don't like the day, so I'm not feeling happy, but I do accept it. I do accept it. And so I I think understanding that within the context of mood is, is pretty powerful too. Yeah, I completely agree.
0: It's been very impactful in my life as well, actually doing that work around, you know, I suppose, redesigning, you know, you talked about neuroplasticity and, and the pathways and redesigning them and how powerful, you know, positive psychology really is. You know, it's it's so powerful. And I think the more um, you experience it for yourself, the more you kind of go, aha, there's there's something in this. And it's it takes time, doesn't it? Sometimes, as you said, it's not that every single day consecutively means, okay, everything's going to be positive. There's still ups and downs, there's still ebbs and flows. But I think overall, the way you start to react to things when they aren't going right the way you respond this kind of i call it sometimes um a turn like essential optimism or you know it's this feeling that underneath you have an optimistic mindset that overall things will will or can improve and just having that if nothing else you're not saying oh you know
1: well will change yeah yeah they're gonna change, you know. So I think that's the the learning is, you know, if it's not good, don't worry. It's gonna pass. It's like that this too shall pass, right? If it's not good, it's gonna change. But also, if it is good, you know, sort of hang on to it and appreciate that moment because that's also gonna change. But we, for a long time, had a sort of mantra at Neom. It's sort of written on, you know, on the walls of stores and bags and gifts and everything. Small steps, big difference. Mm. And when I'm having a bit of a rough time, I, I, I break it right down to tiny things. You know, honestly, that really is the time where light a candle, make a nice meal, ring a friend, just just stop thinking about the big stuff because that will make it worse for me. Let's just go right down to the small stuff. You know, let's tonight just go out for a nice meal or order a takeaway or see how mine usually involve food. <laughs> <laughs> or... In your you know, your case, you know, maybe go on a different run or whatever, but I think those little those little things actually can be very, very powerful. Yeah. So there there are times where I don't think big, I think small
0: small things, big difference. I think I need to think about that more often. I'll be honest, if my husband was listening to this conversation, which I don't know, maybe he listens to the podcast sometimes, he would say, you see Adrienne, because I sometimes can get stuck in that like problem solver, big picture thinking, like my brain typically tends to go, yeah, okay, option A, B, C, D, E, I'm constantly like strategizing and thinking and trying to problem solve. And actually, I think sometimes you're right when just doing that and almost like ruminating on something just taking a break from it and leaving it alone like you said you know what just go for dinner just forget about it actually do something small put it, down, it down and the small things big difference I really think even just in terms of the the problem solving itself don't have to solve
1: the whole problem
0: I, I don't know it really spoke to me then I was like I need a bit of that in my life right now
1: yeah absolutely I mean you know again not bring it back to a silver bullet but I think that for me was always the when we started the brand the idea of the candles and the working as a treatment was actually, you know, on those nights when it's like a rainy Tuesday and it's all a bit miserable. I hate Tuesdays. I've got a real problem with Tuesdays in general. And <laughs> When it's like a rainy Tuesday in like February and, you know, just two rubbish things have come in and you've got a rubbish thing to do tomorrow. And, and you know the feeling yeah. it was like how can you create that kind of zone between 7 and 8 just to be like a real sanctuary and you know a sort of time where you can replenish yourself in a very short space of time with very little and and so i always sort of think to those moments because i think if you can and look it might be getting fish and chips or ringing a friend or whatever it may be but I honestly think if you can take those those little moments and just flip them ever so slightly then you're quite often on a much better path
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, I'm not just saying this because it's you, Nicola, and because it's Neon. but you know, I think I told you this before, my favourite candle of all the candles I've ever had, all the brands ever in my life, my favourite one is the Neom Happy scent. And I have the three-wick one. Yeah, I have the three-wick one. And I got it, it ran out, and I got it again for Christmas from the kids. And that is one of my, like you said, the small moments, that's one of mine when I put it on. It's the three-wick ones. It literally makes the whole downstairs smell amazing. And it's one of those, when you were describing that Tuesday, rainy night then i was thinking that is literally when i go i'm gonna get my three week neon happy candle because i love it so much so thank you for that
1: oh that's it suits you if you were a neon if you were a neon scent adrian you would be the neon happiness yeah (laughs) i love it i love it definitely
0: All right. Well, that is the perfect segue to another small moment, which is, of course, the power hour. First hour of the day. Nicola, I'm not sure exactly. My memory is not that good to tell you exactly what you said uh, in October 2022. But at the moment, the book's out. I'm sure you're doing lots of exciting things. What does the first hour typically look like? Is there anything you're trying to avoid in the morning? Is there anything you're adding
1: in in the morning to kind of start your day feeling the way you want to feel? So I like a cup of tea in bed in the morning. I like to start gently. So I, a, I like sleeping. I am not a jump out of bed 5am person. I can't. I wish I was, but I'm not. So I have a cup of tea, either brought to me by my boyfriend or I make one myself. And if he's not there, and I go back to bed for like 15 minutes and just kind of bring myself around gently. Um And I always find that that works quite well for me. And then I wake my daughter, take her to school. I do like doing the gym in the morning. I find if I don't go for that early morning class, the likelihood of me going later in the day is very limited. And it does make a huge difference to my mental, um, to my frame of mind. Like unbelievable. And I do a kind of, I don't know how you describe my gym. It's sort of like, it is kind of weights, which I do think are really important now now I'm kind of getting yeah. older um, and a bit of cardio in there and it's all sort of like a kind of circuit thing so I do I do do that and I yeah. like that and then a few days a week I do fasting until one and we'll have a couple of bulletproof coffees I probably didn't say that a year ago because I've only been doing that for the last six months but I think that's that's pretty good um and then I just get straight on with meetings I think better in the morning so I'm like my actions are faster in the morning and then in the afternoon i might do like some writing or it's sort of it generally will relax a bit more in the afternoon so morning will be i'm sorry i've given you the first three hours there haven't i No, that's all right. No, it's great. And
0: yeah, and you can see, as you said throughout this whole episode, that because you've tried different things and because you're open to change, like you said, oh, I didn't do this before and now I do. You're not saying this is what I do forever. You say, oh, I'm doing this right now. And I think that piece, you know, is kind of the common thread, isn't it? Is trying things out, testing things and learning, being open minded and going, oh, I'm trying this for now. It's making me feel good. So I'm going to keep doing it. Actually, that's not making me feel so great. I'm going to change it. So that's definitely what I'm going to take away from
1: this conversation today. Good. Try all the nice things, Adrian.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've really loved having you back on the podcast again. Congratulations on the book. It is out now, everyone, for Pillars to well-being. Thank you, Nicola. And thank you, as always, everyone, for tuning in. I will be back next week with another episode. Bye.